0: Hello, my friends, this is Alex, and I welcome you to Socialism Survival podcast number 80. In this show, I will talk about the morality of both socialism and Islam, and what it means to them, to you, and to me, your Socialism Survival host, Alex. I will continue on this after my traditional virtual housekeeping and community organizing. Please visit my website at socialismsurvival.com. You will find there all my previously recorded podcasts, uh, other materials and activities, and the ways to connect with me over Internet, like Google Friends Connect, Facebook and Twitter. You can call and leave the voice message for me from my website using Google Voice feature in the right top corner of the site's main page if you prefer to use email you can send your message to podcast at com. while on my website check out my recommended books section you will find there some books that were written by guests of the show but uh, whether you buy books or not. If you go from there to Amazon and purchase something else, Amazon will pay me for directing traffic to their site. And it will help with this show expenses. You can help this show also by linking to it from your sites and blogs and by rating and commenting on iTunes, Microsoft, Zoom and other places. Of course, old and reliable methods like word of the mouth are appreciated. If you share information about the show with your relatives and friends, it will not only boost uh, its popularity but will give them the same access you have to this unique and unprecedented insider information about socialism and its survival. Talking about morality of both socialists and Muslims, I'd like to notice that both consider themselves as highly moral. As I grew in a God-loving family, persecuted by the socialist servants of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, I surely experienced their morality in my life. In the year 2000, while doing volunteer work in Israel, I was attacked by Palestinian Muslims, beaten nearly to death. I had intracranial hemorrhage, which means internal bleeding in my head, and It is just God's miracle that I survived. I was here in America when Muslims, Muslim terrorists attacked this country on September 11th, 2001, killing thousands of innocent people. What are justifications or explanations about morality of these Horrific acts, whether committed by socialists or by Muslims. Under socialism, it is the collective will of the people accumulated by a handful of Communist Party leaders who, according to them, did nothing wrong. They were just representing the will of the Soviet people. In Islam, It is the will of Allah, accumulated by a handful of Imams and Mullahs, who of course inherited it from the Messenger himself. Of course, I'm speaking about Muhammad. Messenger is one of his titles. As I already said many times, the history proves that both socialism and Islam as religions and political systems had and have disregard for human life. Anything and anyone could be sacrificed in the name of whatever they had, either ideals of communism or the idol Allah, who was elevated to the ranks of Godhead. Let's go now to the area of morality that is important to every religion, every human being, the area that has the largest number of sinners. The killing of innocent people is far behind in numbers. I'm talking about sexuality. Now, If you are a parent and your children are listening now with you, I would advise you to put on headphones and listen. I give you a chance to exercise discretion as I am about to quote purely Islamic sources that sound to me like the script of pornographic film. Most of them are not from the Quran but from the trusted sources of Islam however Quran comes into a play too as in his hypocrisy lustful Prophet Muhammad established a double morality standard one for himself and one for his followers For example, in Surah number 2, verse 222, it says, They ask you concerning menstruation. Say, that is an adha, a harmful thing for a husband to have a sexual intercourse with his wife while she is having her menses therefore keep away from women during menses and go not unto them till they are purified from menses and have taken a bath and when they have purified themselves then go in unto them as allah has ordained for you now in sahih Harry. book number 6 hadith number 298 are the words of Muhammad's youngest wife Isha the prophet and I used to take a bath from a single pot while we were Janub I don't know what's that during the manses, he used to order me to put on and Izar dress worn below the waist, and used to fondle me. While in Itikaf he used to bring his head near me, and I would wash it while I used to be in my period. In the next hadith she added, None of you could control his sexual desires as the prophet could. (laughs) Do you see it? Keep away from the woman during her menses for others, but taking a bath from the same pot and fondle his wife during her menses for himself. What a hypocrisy! Soviet socialist morality, written code, also looked almost as good as in religious books, only without God in it. Of course, members of Soviet Communist Party were all atheists and could not exercise self-control the way Muhammad did. But men are men, no matter what party or religion they belong to. They all have a desire to release. Soviet party bosses had their villas called Duchess, where they took sauna and had orgies with selected girls. What solution Islam offers both for men and women? Here is Shamsuddin ibn Kaim al-Juziiya, Jaziyah, is one of the only scholars that the Islamic Puritans Wahhabis do not reject, and who was a student of Ibn Taymiyyah another respected Islamic uh, sheikh. Let me quote what he writes in his Badai al-Fuwa'id page 129. Hold on and take a seat before you listen. Okay. Here's what he says. Ibn aqil and many of our scholars and our Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah have ruled that masturbation is makruh, disliked, and never explicitly said he that it was haram or forbidden. He then presents his own discussion on the conditions that make masturbation halal, which means legal, lawful. Here what he says. If a man is torn between continued desire or releasing it, and if this man does not have a wife or he has a slave girl, but he does not marry, then if a man is overwhelmed by desire and he fears that he will suffer because of this, someone like a prisoner or a traveller or a pauper, then it is permissible for him to masturbate. And Ahmad ibn Hanbal is explicit on this. Furthermore, it is narrated that the companions of the Prophet used to masturbate while they were on military expeditions or traveling. Hey, you impressed just a little. Well, here is more, this time for women. Now it's the time for women to hold on to their seats. On the same page as quoted before, Ibn Kayyim writes, If a woman does not have a husband and her lust becomes strong, then some of our scholars say, it is permissible for the woman to take an akran beach, which is a piece of leather worked until it becomes shaped like a penis and insert it in herself. She may also use a cucumber. Are you still alive, my friends? My tongue barely moves, and my eyes get blurred while reading this. What a religion of lust and excuses for it! Ibn Kayyim continues his discussion, which exemplifies the morality of Islam. If a man Makes a hole in a watermelon or a piece of dough or a leather skin or a statue and has sex with it, then this is the same as what we have said about other types of masturbation. In effect, there is halal or lawful. In the same circumstances given before, such as being on a journey. In fact, it is easier than masturbating with one's hand. <laughs> My God. How well respected Ibn Kayim knows it is easier. Practice, practice, and again practice because according to the quran muslims must be married before having sex does it mean that they got a green light to marry watermelons or statues make your own conclusions there are more examples of such Things as pedophilia, bestiality or sex with animals, necrophilia or sex with dead corpses and other sexual perversions. You can find and read it if you want. I just can't bear it anymore. Some can try to justify it their Shia morality of Islam by saying that these examples are mostly from the Sunni side of Islam. First, let me say Shia is not that good at all. Take as an example their muta or so-called fixed term marriage, which is an open license for sexual pleasure with as many women as one can financially afford with automatic divorce at the end of the term so there is no real justification for the immorality of one or another sides of Islam it is still Islam concerning Soviet socialistic morality I'd like to quote an article in Time magazine for the February 1981 called on Soviet morality. Ronald Reagan said of Soviet leaders two weeks ago, of course, at that time, the only morality they recognize is what will further their cause, meaning they reserve unto themselves the right to commit any crime, to lie, to cheat. The Soviet leadership has been characterized in strong terms before. But was Reagan's statement too sweeping? Reagan did not think so. Said he last week, they don't subscribe to our sense of morality they don't believe in an afterlife they don't believe in a god or a religion and the only morality they recognize therefore is what will advance the cause of socialism harsh as reagan's words may seem they rather Accurately reflect Soviet leaders' statements over the years. Examples Lenin in 1920. We repudiate all morality that proceeds from supernatural ideas or ideas that are outside class conceptions. Morality is entirely subordinate to the interests of class war. Everything is moral that is necessary for the annihilation of the old exploiting social order and for uniting the proletariat. When are you going to stop killing people? Lady Astor bluntly asked Joseph Stalin in 1931, when he was liquidating the kulaks, wealthy farmers, in his drive to collectivize the land. His reply, when it is no longer necessary. Khrushchev in 1955 he said the following We wish to live in peace tranquility but if anyone believes that our smiles involve abandonment of the teaching of Marx Engels and Lenin he deceives himself Poorly. Those who wait for that must wait until a shrimp learns to whistle. Brezhnev in 1968. Our party has always warned that in the ideological field there can be no peaceful coexistence just as there can be no class peace between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie the end of the quotes previously i mentioned also the story of Pavlik morozov soviet boy glorified by soviet propaganda as a martyr his story Dated to 1932 is that of a 13-year-old boy who denounced his father to the Soviet authorities and was in turn killed by his family. It was a Soviet morality tale. Opposing the state was selfish and reactionary and loyalty to the state was a higher virtue than family love his story was a subject of compulsory reading songs plays a symphonic poem a full length opera and six biographies the cult yes it was the cult and it had a huge impact on the moral norms of generations of children. That was the kind of morality set for us as an example in Soviet schools that I survived with God's help. Concerning Soviet sexual morality, whatever written statements or instructions we have, everything looks almost Puritan similar to most of Quran statements. According to the UNESCO publication from nineteen sixty nine by Soviet author, sexual morality in the Soviet Union is based on the principle that sex, love and the family must be viewed not only as matters of personal concern, but also as the concern of society. The sex impulses must be disciplined and oriented by reason to conform to society's goal of establishing stable, happy families. Sounds almost biblical? Well, except not in the name of the Lord, but in the name of socialistic society. Because according to the same author, in the Soviet Union, the theory of sex education was firmly based on the Marxist-Leninist theory of the moral nature of marital and family relationships. Look, Soviet leaders who demanded from others to attain to high moral values were living immorally. Muhammad, who wrote moral requirements for other Muslims, was himself immoral. Throughout my life, I've learned that there is only one true God of the Bible, who can set people free from immoral impulses and desires. Anything else are enslaving cults, such as socialism and Islam. Both Muhammad and Karl Marx had the opportunity to know and accept God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They both had a chance to learn who Yeshua or Jesus was. They rejected it and two dangerous, immoral, and enslaving cults were born. And they are merging now to create new global authority that will have control and power over whole world. Only America could pose a real opposition to this but unfortunately this country is not in the best shape right now, depending a lot on communist China for production of goods and lending money, taking America deeper in death and death and on Muslim world for oil production. Additionally, America is being destroyed internally by socialistic and Islamic immorality. The time we live in right now is very critical and requires a lot of commitment from all of us who believe in true God, in true freedom, liberty and pursuit of true happiness. What should we do and how we must act? Think and keep listening as I leave it for my shows in the near future. Thank you for being faithful listeners of this show. God bless you and God bless America. I mean true God, the one who sets people free and helps them live morally pure lives. Until the next week, when you will hear again the voice of Common Sense, your socialism survival host, Alex.